Well, good morning, Life Church. Let me try that again. Good morning, Life Church. All right, it is still morning, right? Yeah, 1127. Uh, so. so Jesus had gathered with this uh, really large group of people. His disciples were there very close to him, and they were the, you know, the 12 along with many others who gathered together. And Jesus in uh, Matthew chapter 18, if you want to go ahead and turn there, Matthew 18. And um, as he was talking to, uh, to this group of people, um, he's giving some insight into what's going to happen after, uh, you know, after he leaves, right? We know that Jesus ascended to heaven, and um, there's this period of time that we are waiting for him to return, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the very end. Um, but he's giving uh, kind of uh, teachings to this group of people in Matthew chapter 18, and he's at this point speaking in a parable. So a parable is a story, like a, a story that has a spiritual point. That's really all that a parable is. You can read too much into a parable and make every little point be something, or you can read not enough into a parable and uh, kind of miss the big point of what's going on uh, in them as Jesus is teaching. And so he is teaching a parable about the kingdom of heaven. Again, it's just like a story that's being told for a spiritual truth. And so this is what he says. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 20, uh, 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king, it's like a king, who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. As he began settling his accounts, a man who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him. Okay, so in the Bible, it has measurements that we are not uh, totally familiar with. On daily. How many of you know how much a talent is, right? We just, it's just not general, uh, general knowledge for us. And so uh, they have... Uh, pretty strong estimates of, as to what a talent means. And so uh, the way that this, this works is 10,000 talents is approximately equal to 6,000 days of work for each talent. So we're going to do higher math here really quickly. 10,000 times 6,000, carry the one, zero. Okay, that is about 60 million days of work. This is how much this, this guy owed to the king, 60 million days. How much, is, how much is that in today's dollars? Roughly equal to that amount. $900 trillion. Anybody got that just sitting around your bank? That's okay. We'll just print it. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry. Now, it says this in the next statement, because, because he was not able to repay it. That is a mild understatement, right? Because he was not able to re repay it. The Lord ordered him to be sold along with his wife and children and whatever he possessed and repayments to be made. Then the slave threw himself to the ground before him, saying, Be patient with me. I will repay everything. <laughs> right? The king's looking at this going... Dude, $900 trillion, whatever. <laughs> but it said, this is super interesting. The Lord had compassion on that slave and released him and forgave his debt. In other words, the slave begged. The king said, okay, I'm not going to make you repay it. In fact, you're free and you don't owe anything. How many of you would like your bank, to which you owe usually a lot of money called a mortgage, uh, how many of you would love for your bank to just call you up one day and say, hey, love you, just so you know, 
your bill's been paid in full and you don't owe anything else. How many of you like that? Anyone? Yes. All right. Yeah. It's probably not going to happen, but <laughs> we can dream. But the story goes on, right? It's, it's all good news right now. After he went out, so after the slave went out, that same slave found one of his fellow slaves who owed him about 100 silver coins. Okay, it's not inconsequential, but in comparison to $900 trillion, 100 silver coins is nothing. Um, So he grabbed him by the throat, started to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe me. Then this fellow slave threw himself down and begged him. Does this sound familiar? It's the same story playing itself out. Begged, uh, you know, threw himself down, begged him, be patient with me and I will repay you. Almost the identical words that that first slave did before the king. But he refused. Instead, he went out and threw him in prison until he repaid the debt. So a period of time happens here. This injustice apparently is being seen. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were very upset and went and told their Lord everything that had taken place. Then this Lord, so the same Lord, called the first slave and said to him, evil slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have shown mercy to your fellow slave just as I showed it to you? The answer, of course, is yes. (laughs) And in anger, his Lord turned him over to the prison guards to torture him until he repaid all he owed. And then this really hard part, very, very end of it. So also, my heavenly Father will do to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. That's a really tough part of this parable. I would have loved for it to end and us to draw some conclusions about it, but Jesus makes it very, very clear. How important is forgiveness to God? It's incredibly important. The parable that Jesus teaches is pretty clear. When it comes to, king, to, comes to the kingdom of God, forgiveness is absolutely central. It's absolutely foundational to what the kingdom of God looks like because of the overwhelming forgiveness of the Father. And yet there's a justice there as well. The picture here is one of contrast, and it reveals human nature very, very clearly. Um, because we all want to be forgiven. How many of you have done something in the last year for which you need to be forgiven? Raise your hand. All right, yeah, pretty much. I I would say, like, how many of you have done something in the last hour for which you need forgiveness, right? And everybody, right? And so we recognize that, so I wanted to draw it out there really quickly. Um, Right, that we, we long to be forgiven. We want to be free from whatever that is, the guilt and the shame. We want to be free from that so it has no power over us, right? We want that to be forgiven, especially from God. But we also struggle deeply with forgiving the other person, right? We want that forgiveness from God, but it is much harder to forgive the other person. Um, Maybe this is the selfishness of our human nature, 
right? This is, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of bent towards sin and bent towards selfishness and, you know, what I, I want to get what I want when somebody does something against me. Unforgiveness gives us a sense of control over the other. The problem is, though, <laughs> that control is actually happening to us. We are being controlled by not forgiving the other person. We actually become less than what God wants us to be. Um, it's kind of like this. I like, I like control in some areas, especially when I'm driving. How many of you like to drive? How many drivers are like, I just like to drive? How many of you like to be passengers and just kind of sit and, and go along for the ride? Okay, good for you. I like driving. And when I was growing up, one of the, one of the joys of being the driver was you got to have control over what in the car? Radio. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he's like, yes, radio. I gave that up when the Bluetooth came along. <laughs> my children can hijack it. Um, but right, the radio. And so if I, my children who would just be very calm in the backseat and very loving towards one another, if I wanted to not deal with them, what would I do with the radio? Crank that puppy up. Right? I'm in my own little world. I don't have to worry about what's going on in the back seat because I am in control. I don't have to deal with it. If I wanted to listen to my history podcasts that are incredibly exciting to me, but incredibly boring to my children, I can do that because I'm the driver. And we treat sometimes unforgiveness like that, right? I'm going to turn up the noise loud so that I don't have to deal with all of this other junk in my life and I can be distracted. Sometimes we feel powerless in light of the offense against us and we retreat. We're unwilling to face that problem and unforgiveness wreaks incredible harm. Not necessarily on the other person, but here. Because that unforgiveness begins to dig roots down deep, leading to grudges and uh, all of that bitterness. I've held grudges before. Anybody ever held a grudge before? <laughs> all right. I, you know, I, I don't want to go long part of the story here, but I mean, I, I held a grudge for like two and a half years is eating at me in a former place where we were and finally had to work through forgiveness and all that stuff. But man, it just ate me up on the inside. So how important is forgiveness? We've been going through the Lord's Prayer over the last, uh, what is it, since I think beginning of May, I believe is when we started. And uh, so as we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer, um, right smack dab in the middle of the Lord's Prayer is this little section on, uh, on forgiveness. And so to continue our squats uh, for the day, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Right? One more exercise. Yes. Some of you are like, I gave up exercise for Lent and I haven't picked it back up. So, uh. All right. So we're going to read together. Today actually is out of the uh, World English Bible, which is a refreshing of the 1901 American Standard Version. So by the way, the, the WEB is, is one of those rare Bibles that has no copyright associated with it. So it is completely free to use anywhere you want to use it. So just so you know that. All right. Matthew chapter six, beginning at verse nine, and we'll all read this together out of the WEB. It says this, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
and amen. We'll just add one more in there just for fun of it. All right, and finish out that last half of the squat and you guys can be seated. So right smack dab in the middle of the Lord's prayer is this thing about forgiveness. And I wonder if it's there on purpose, <laughs> right? That, that Jesus is making a statement about how central forgiveness is for our relationships. But the prayer of forgiveness is not just about me. So the first part of that, uh, forgive us our debts. Remember, this is going, our Father who is in heaven, right? All of these, your, may your name be made holy. May your kingdom come. Your will be done. So all of it outward. We turned it a little bit differently last week. Give us this day our daily bread. Then it moves to this. Forgive us our debts. So there's this idea. Some of your um, uh, versions might say trespasses. Some might say sins. And so the idea here is we're saying, okay, God, forgive us our sins, right? Forgive us our sins, God. We need this vertical relationship with God to be in good position. We need that to be right. We need to be in right standing with God. And that happens when we confess our sins to him and say, God, these are the things that we have done. So forgive us our sins. But it's super interesting how this verse is worded. It says, forgive us our debts as so in like manner as, um, you know, this idea that these are two very, very tightly held together. Uh, forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who owe us something, as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. This relationship with God, according to the scripture, is deeply tied to this relationship we have with other people. It's pretty astonishing to me that God has set it up that way. That these two things are so tightly woven together. And in fact, it seems like the way that this is written is that there is an incredible amount of power and authority and uh, structure associated with the second half of this. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who sinned against us. It's almost like God is saying, forgiveness from me waits until you've got relationship with others right. That's pretty astonishing. And in fact, in, this, um, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus doesn't really comment a lot about the Lord's Prayer except for one part of the prayer. And this is that part because right after the Lord's prayer is finished on this high note, right? The, you know, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the angels are singing and the choir is singing in the background, right? And then you get to this statement that he makes right after the Lord's prayer. He says in chapter six, verse 14, if you forgive others, their sins, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will the Father forgive your sins. This is so powerful. And it's so important for us to get this right. That the relationship we have with those around us is vital for our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So the question is, um, which is more important to God? that we have this right or we have this right, right? Which, which is the area that God wants us to make sure that we have it correct? 
There's this really interesting passage of scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 5. So right before the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount to, you know, these hundreds, perhaps even, you know, a couple thousand people gathered on this mountainside, and Jesus is teaching them, he has this little nugget in there about our human relationships. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 5. So then if you bring your gift to the altar... So in other words, if you're ready to bring some sort of offering, and this would go back to, uh, to Judaism in the first century, so there were sacrifices made, and they would bring the first fruits, and you know, so it was a literal gift that was being brought to the altar. And while you are there, you remember that your brother has something against you. Not that you've got something against your brother, but that your brother or your sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar first, Go and be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and present your gift. Just let that sit there for a second. Right, think about, just, just for a moment, think about your relationships that you have with people either around you, they might be here in this room right now, or uh, loved ones that are far away, or enemies, or whatever it is, right? Are there things that you know that are not right between you and another person? What's the most important thing God wants you to deal with? Is it bringing that gift to him? Or is it making that relationship right? According to this, there seems to be this equivalency here of worship right, where we come to God and bring him everything we've got, but as long as we have this hanging out there undealt with, the gift that we bring somehow is tarnished. Somehow is, is we look at this and we go, God, there's so much more to it. Perhaps you need to ask for forgiveness for attitudes, for hurts that you have caused, for things that you have done, things that you have left unsaid that should have been said. And then something might happen in your spiritual life. So our relationships matter incredibly. And within these relationships, we will inevitably, that's a big word, inevitably, uh, be in a position where we have said something, done something, caused shame or grief or hurt or pain to somebody else. We will probably be in that position where we need to make a relationship right with somebody else. That need for forgiveness will rise, both for us uh, to be the ones who are forgiven and honestly, those to whom uh, they need to ask for forgiveness as well. So what happens when we ask for forgiveness? What happens when we take that step? I'm going to invite Miles to come on up here and uh, have a seat uh, up here with us, uh, with me today. Um, forgiveness can be truly life-changing. Think about forgiving a spouse for an affair. What about forgiving a parent for the neglect that you experienced while growing up? Forgiving a child for disobedience? I'm grateful my children never disobeyed. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> forgiving a friend for disloyalty. Right? So what happens when we forgive? Uh, the Mayo Clinic found this really fascinating. Mayo Clinic, when they talked about forgiveness in a big study, forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, 
When you forgive other people, it calms you down and you begin to have lower blood pressure. That's fantastic. Don't go off your blood pressure medication unless you talk to your doctor or whatever. Um, Fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, improved self-esteem, and the list can go on and on and on in your life when you have right relationship with your brother or sister. God is concerned with every aspect of our life, the shalom, the peace of our entire life. Now, we do know that when we ask for forgiveness, um, not everybody responds the way that we would like for them to respond, right? We would like for everybody to just go, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to make things right with you. But sometimes we, we, we have to go because our attitudes have gotten in a position where we are now holding on to unforgiveness. And regardless of their response to us seeking forgiveness from them, they might not ever want to reconcile. They might not ever be in a position where we're going to resolve this issue. But God gives us the responsibility of making it right with our brother or sister. And then something happens spiritually within us. I've invited Miles to come up. We talked a a couple of years ago, actually, about uh, what we're going to talk about today. And uh, obviously, it deals with this whole central idea of forgiveness. Um, and so, Miles, can you tell, tell me a little bit about... Well, by the way, let's welcome Miles, uh, Miles Pearson, up to... Um, so, Miles, can you tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and your marriage? And then, in particular, the, there's like one injury that has kind of defined Miles for many years. And it, it plays a role at the very end of the story. So, Miles, just tell us a little bit about that quickly, because I talked too long in the beginning. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm in trouble again. Yeah. So if you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, about kind of, you know, who you are. Okay. Uh, I'll start with when I was a little kid, about six, seven years old, I used to read, uh, read comic books about Navy frogmen. And from the time I started reading those, I wanted to be a Navy frogman. You know, this was, this is cool stuff. And so as I grew up and I was in high school, I had a severe injury to my left arm. It cut all the arteries, tendons, and nerves to bum to the bone. And I was told that my hand would be crippled for the rest of my life. And uh, that kind of shattered me. And that was in February of 1966. And in June of 1966, the uh, pastor of where I was going to church got up to preach and he said, I can't preach, man. Somebody in here wants something from God. And is there anybody here that wants something from God? And of course, you know, I don't think the pews were very far apart. And I think I got up there in about two seconds. And uh, he prayed for me. He gave me a piece of paper. Nothing happened. I was disappointed and going down. He said, no, come back here. I'm going to pray for you again. He prayed for him again. And I wadded that piece of paper up and uh, went from then on. And then I was also felt like I was called to go to the ministry. And I went to Southwest Christian down in Waxahachie, Texas. And some things down there transpired that I left there, went home and asked the doctor to give me permission to go see if I could get a physical and get into service. Uh, He gave me permission, but he didn't think I could get into service. So I went down, took my physical, told him about my arm. Doctor took a pen and stuck my hand, but I was, he didn't tell me to close my eyes. He just 
holding my hand out there and he started poking my hand with his pen. Can you feel that? Yeah. Can you feel that? Yeah. I couldn't feel nothing. You know, I want to get in the service. So I did. I got in the service. I went through training, went through UDT, uh, what they call Hell Week, became UDT 22, and then I found out about SEAL Team. They were top secret. And uh, they invited me to join them, and I did. And uh, while I was in UDT 22, I also was on the Apollo 9 recovery team. And uh, I went to NOM with the SEAL team, won several awards over there, but you know, that changed me. You know, uh, you don't go to war and see and do the things you do in war without it changing you. And it changed me enough that I ran again, even further from God, never forgetting who he was, but I ran. And I came home and, <clears throat> and uh, my poor wife, you know, I, I had uh, two people in me. I had one that wanted to do all the bad things in life, go to the bars and fight and that kind of thing. And then there was the other side of me that I wanted to be with my wife in church and stuff. So you can't live that life. Yeah. It tears you apart. It tears your soul apart. Yeah. And uh, my daughter got married to a guy and uh, he was abusive. He was abusive to the family and stuff, and they finally got divorced. And I wanted him dead. I hated this guy so bad, I wanted him dead. I wanted to put my hands, I wanted to kill him, seriously. And I had friends that I run around with, I run around with a pretty rough crowd uh, at that time, and uh, they offered to do it for me for free. And I said, no, man. I said, you know, the family knows how I feel about this guy. So if he disappears, he's going to kind of make things bad between the family here, you know. So we probably ought not to do that. <laughs> I'll let you know if I need help. <laughs> so I was sitting right over here where I generally sit so I can read lips and hear. Because that's, that's sometimes I can't hear real well. And Pastor Jim was over here preaching and, and I hear this voice just like I'm talking right now. The voice said, uh, you need to forgive him. And I immediately knew what they was talking about, what this voice was talking about. And I said, I don't know, man. I really want this guy dead. I really do. I mean, you can mess with me, but you don't mess with my family, you know. And he said, no, you need to ask that guy for forgiveness. And you know, I didn't say anything for a couple of days. And I finally told my wife what had transpired. She says, what are you gonna do? Man, I don't know. I really want this guy dead. <laughs> you know, I really don't like this guy, you know? But I did, I, I went and I got his phone number. I called him and asked forgiveness and he forgave me. Really quick. I don't want to gloss over that moment right there. Hear what he said? He said, he called this individual who had hurt and wronged his family for whom he had every right to be angry. But what did he say? He said, forgive me for what I have held against you. Isn't that exactly what the scripture says to do, right? Forgive me for what, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing to me. So it blew my mind. Uh, you know, I had a couple of other people that had wronged me pretty badly 
in the tunes of about a quarter of a million dollars worth of revenue. And I called each of those and asked them to forgive me for my, my feelings toward them, my hate and my anger in trusting people that were friends. And they did. In fact, it was one of them. I didn't know for sure he was going to do that. So I started sending him daily devotions. And then I called him. <laughs> oh, good. He, he's not going to throw me out. <laughs> That's funny. Real quick, Miles, how, how long had you held on to that grudge with your, I guess it would be former uh, son-in-law? I, uh, I, this trans started transpiring in 1987. And this uh, feeling and hate was probably about three, four years ago is when it ended. So from 1987 till three or four years ago, holding on to something for that long. And uh, so what happened then, soon after you, you uh, asked for forgiveness for your own attitude? You know, the miracles started happening in my life. You know, I could work, try to get stuff done. It was like I was beating a wall. Every time I tried to do something somebody else would do easy, I would have to fight for it. Well, when that happened, things changed for me. God started opening up doors. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle going to Mexico and stuff started happening. And uh, one day I, I was brushing my teeth and you know that little sharp end where they crimp it, you know, after they fill it up on their toothpaste. Well, I poked my hand right here and I felt that and I started to put the tooth and I said, wait a minute, man. I felt that. So I started poking my hand all over the place, you know. Hey, hey, I got feeling in this hand. <laughs> the Lord healed my hand. I have the same feeling in this hand as I do in this one. That's awesome. You know, and I went out to tell my wife. Man, I didn't know how to say it. I, I, I was without words. And that was from 1966 until May of 16, 2019. Yeah. God healed my hand yeah. from answering what he wants me to do. He called me into doing stuff like yeah. praying for people and stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, best job I've ever had. Yeah, I never change again and ever again. It's the yeah. best job doing for people. Doing for people. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. Awesome. Thank you, Miles. So, the, so what I really love about Miles' story is that really, and you know, from our perspective, he had every right. Uh, thankfully, you never followed through on killing anyone because then we'd go visit you in jail and that would be really awkward. Um, but he turned it back to himself and realized that now it had gone beyond, right? Uh, it had gone beyond this guy needing to forgive, you know, whatever. It was himself saying, okay, God, this has gone too far in my life. Oh, this has come to the point where it is just destroying me and holding me back from your best. And you might be here today in a position where things have happened, where people have hurt you. People have done things against your family years ago, and you have held on to this. And you're wondering why your relationship with God is not the way it should be. Again, it's not a cure, right? It's not an instantaneous kind of thing. But there's something to this relationship with God that absolutely rests in a relationship with those around us. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet and go ahead and take uh, your communion cup that you received when you came in.
I love it what Jesus says. Um, when Jesus is on the cross, he's hanging there between two criminals. And they're mocking him. At least one of the criminals is mocking him. The uh, soldiers are mocking him. Uh, and it says in, uh, in Luke 23, 30, about 33 or so, uh, they took him. Uh, and when they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said to them, or Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Speaking to those who were literally crucifying him, the Romans and those who were peripherally part of it, all the religious leaders, and perhaps even as far reaching as us today. He says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. This is us. We stand in that position of need, and I think God would say back and say, I forgive you. Right? I, I forgive you. I believe God points to us and says, I forgive you, right? This is our God. This is the one, right, who Jesus is praying for and saying, I forgive you. A couple of days before this, actually, actually the night before all this happened, Jesus is with his disciples together in a room and they're getting ready to celebrate what we now call the Last Supper. It says in Matthew 26, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Folks, when we partake of communion, uh, we are participating with who Jesus is. Right? The Bible says this is a representation of his body. We participate with, uh, with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I'm so grateful for this representation. God, we stand in a position of need. We're desperately in need of you. And so, God, we give you praise and glory and honor. Set your blessing upon this emblem in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. It says he took a cup and when he given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness or poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not, not drink again of its fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. There is a future aspect of what we're doing here today. We know Jesus one day is returning and that kingdom will be fully set up. But until that time, the necessity that we have for this emblem, right? The blood of Jesus Christ, which is shed for the forgiveness of many. We're all in that position of needing that forgiveness. But remember what Jesus said about the gift being brought to the altar. If you remember in that moment that your brother, has, brother or sister has something against you, then stop. Stop. Make it right. And then come back. For some of you, this is a decision that you've got to make here in this moment. And God takes this seriously about making sure that your relationship with your fellow human being is right. There may be people who have hurt you that are no longer, uh, no longer living, right? Maybe a parent, a grandparent, somebody who hurt you deeply. And you have no way to ever reconcile with them again. That doesn't excuse being unforgiven. 
or, or giving forgiveness to someone. We have a responsibility to say, I forgive you. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I want you to do business right now. There might be a decision that you have to make that immediately following this service, you've got to go make it right with somebody. Maybe there's somebody sitting here today and you would say, yeah, today I've I've been holding something against somebody and I've got to make it right. I think that would be the most honoring thing you can possibly do for your relationship with God make it right with the other. And so, Jesus, we are so grateful that you give us this moment to make it right. Father, you are calling us to take that step to seek that reconciliation, to forgive where we have held on to a grudge and it is eating at us and is making us less than we, we should be. So, Father, we commit to making it right with our brother or our sister. Because, God, we want to be able to come and be able to worship you in fullness, nothing holding us back. Jesus, thank you for this cup that represents your blood that was shed for us. That blood that was shed for the forgiveness of many. Lord, we are among those who have been forgiven by you, that vertical relationship with the Father is now right because of what Jesus did on the cross. Help us, God, get that horizontal relationship with our brother or sister. Help us to get that right as well. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that, um, that God, you are at work within us deeply. And Lord, I know that a topic like this and a subject like this can uh, really bring up hurts and sometimes it feels overwhelming. But God, help us to not run away from the need that we have to forgive because God, it is the right thing to do even if it's difficult. So God, help us to follow through on that. Lord, I thank you for today. And Lord, I know that you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you. And Lord, this whole forgiveness thing is something that we've got to get right. And so Lord, today, help us to walk in the confidence that we are yours. With the confidence that we have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. So that we can live boldly for the kingdom of God. And Lord, I thank you that you take forgiveness seriously. So Lord, help us to do the same. So, Father, we present ourselves to you. Change us from the inside out. Because, God, we want to be right with you and we want to be right with our fellow brother and sister. Lord, we love you this day. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. I mean, here's what I want to do. Uh, we're we're going to uh, close out. And um, if you've got to go, feel free to go. Uh, but maybe you're in a position and just say, we've got a few minutes here. Uh, just say, I just need to take a little bit more time to pray, kind of get through this. Um, I would love to pray with you. My wife and I would love to pray with you. And we might have some other of our prayer team that are here today. Love to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. See you next week for Father's Day.